a series right now called God First. And I talked about what God first being in our life initially looked like. We talked last week again about the first fruits and how that recognizes. It's a celebration to recognize God first in our life. I'm going to be talking over the coming weeks and ministering on what does that life look like? What does a living life look like in God? What does that living life look like? I'm going to talk about uh, maximizing who you are, who God made you to be, the gifts that God gave you. You know, how do you maximize that life and live that out uh, with a God-first life and being in covenant with God and what does a partnership of God look like and what God wants to do uh, in your life? And so last week I started talking about first fruits and, and this week I'm going to uh, continue to talk about it because today is the day that we uh, do that and celebrate that and recognize that and we have for many uh, years since our planning in, in this church and it's something that... I believe in, my family very much believes in, and uh, that we experience. It is one of the only festivals, one of the only feast festivals and commandments of God that you read in the Old Testament that he said you should keep forever and ever and ever for every generation. The others, some of them, they were fulfilled through Jesus or this or that, and uh, we, we're not Jewish, we're not under the law either, so we don't have to celebrate those. But I believe this is one of the ones that God said is near to my heart, and I, I want you to celebrate generation after generation. Last week I shared with you some, uh, some stories from my life about uh, God and God's provision and God's hand. And I encourage you, if you weren't here, you didn't get to listen to that, go back. It's, it's on the podcast. It's on Facebook and listen to that. Uh, it was moving. Somebody afterwards told me, said, now we need to hear all of Teresa's stories. Amen about that. So we're going to make a Sunday where she can just share with you uh, the word of God and all of the stories of the incredible things that, that God has done in her life or from her perspective. Uh, but today, let's talk about God first. Romans chapter 11, verse 36 is kind of a foundational scripture that we've been using for this series. And it says, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. And notice those three things. Everything comes from him. Everything continues to exist by his power. And number three, everything is intended for his glory. I mean, really, those are the three foundations. If you really want to set three foundations in your life and say, this is my vision for my family, this is my vision for my life, this is my vision for my business, this is my vision for my career, this is my vision. My vision is going to be, I recognize everything comes from him, everything exists and is sustained by him, and everything I do is for his glory. His glory. The word glory is the Hebrew word there, kabod, which means greatness. That means the greatness of God. The glory of God means the greatness of God. It means God said, uh, I, I want you to glorify me. In other words, he said, everything I do through your life, I want the world to see not that you're so great, but that I'm great, that I'm a great God. He told Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. You're going to have a great nation. You're going to have a great family. You're going to have great provision. You're going to have great things. And he said, then what's going to happen is the world is going to look at you. And the world is going to say, how did this happen? From a guy that's not even from this place or this country, how did it happen? He said, you're going to be able to testify and said, it was God. God did this. God did this. So today in particular... I want to vi visit the book of Leviticus chapter 23, verse 15 through 18, and talk about how we celebrate that 
God first in our life and how we celebrate that in a feasting. God called his people to fasting and to feasting. We often talk a lot about fasting. People talk about fasting, teach fasting. I fast, we, we, we should fast. But equally important to fasting, God said feasting. Some of you are a little short on fasting and better on feasting. Some of you talk a lot about fasting, but you want the whole world to be sad all the time. Believers to be, uh, believe that they're never good enough, they're never right enough, they're never forgiven enough, and you don't feast enough, amen? You, you need to lighten up. You need to let children play music and you need to dance. Last night, we saw we went to a recitals with our, with our grandbabies and their dance recitals. Matter of fact, we have so many incredible kids in this church the dancers, it was incredible, the, the production. I know the Phillips, uh, their kids were there. I, I hope I'm going to get everybody here uh, today or I'm going to miss everybody. The Leopards, the Popums, the, the Millers, the Klepics, uh, uh, Stephanie's grandchildren. Okay, who did I miss? Raise your hand if I missed your kid. Oh, yeah, Travis, the Glovers, uh, their kids. Anybody else that I missed? I mean, it was like we were, we were having a family reunion there last night. Like we almost took over the auditorium just to watch them. I'm hoping we're going to have that. Look at Christine back here. Everybody turn to look. This is her heart gifting and passion, amen? And she's new to the church and connecting in the church, but that's one of the things. We're going to, why don't we get our kids doing that right up here, amen, for the glory of God? So we're going to look at some of that. I just put her on the spot now, amen? So we're going to do that. But I thought yesterday, I thought their dances, their costume. why weren't they doing it? And so many of those songs were songs that glorified God uh, because of the school that, or, or the dance school that they all go to is a faith-based dance school, and it was just awesome. Um, but they would feast. And this was one of those feasts. This was one of those celebrations called First Fruits, or, or uh, it was the, 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 the feast that they would celebrate and they would recognize two things. They would recognize not only the harvest and provision of God, but that God had brought them out of Egypt and out of slavery. He had brought them into a land. He had given them a place, given them a home, given them a name, given them blessing, and they had multiplied, built great families, and supernatural things were happening in their life. And so this is the celebration that they would celebrate. In Leviticus chapter 23, verse 15 through 18, he said, from the day after the Sabbath, that was the Sabbath of the Passover, so they'd have the Passover, and then it would be the Sabbath. It says, the day you bring the bundle of grain to be lifted up as a special offering, count off seven full weeks. Keep counting until the day after the seventh Sabbath, 50 days later. 50 days later. That's where we get the word Pentecost from. The word Pentecost in the Bible was this day they were celebrating. It was the 50th day that they were uh, celebrating here. It says, then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. He said, from, what, from wherever you live, bring two loaves of bread to be lifted up before the Lord as a special offering. Make these loaves from four quarts of choice flour and bake them with yeast. So he gives them a recipe here, amen? Most of us probably didn't use this recipe because it kind of needed some more stuff, really, uh, to make it a good. He said, and bake them with yeast. Now, this is important. With yeast was important right there. I'll talk about it in a moment. He said, they will be an offering to the Lord from the first of your crops, 
He said, along with that bread, present seven one-year-old male lambs with no defects, one young bull and two rams as burnt offerings. So he said, I want you to offer that, and then I want you to offer this lamb and these other things as, as burnt offerings. These burnt offerings, together with the grain offering and liquid offering, will be a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Then if we look in the book of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 through 10, and Ezekiel 34, verse 26, uh, gives us some more foundations on this. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 through 10, he said, My child, never forget these things that I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years, and your life will be a satisfying life. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep into your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in everything you do, and he will show you which path to take. We talked about that last week. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part, which also was the first part of everything you produce. And he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. I will bless my people and their homes around my holy hill and the proper season I will send the showers they need and there will be showers of blessing. And then in the book of Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 26, he says this. I will bless my people and their homes around my holy hill and I will in the proper season. Oh, we just read that. <laughs> and I will send the showers they need and the showers of blessing. So there's three things I'm going to talk about this morning in a moment. Three things that you need to expect from your first fruits and from what God wants to do on your life. Three things that we're going to expect, we're going to pray, and we're going to speak over our life and pray over our families at the end of this. But first, I just kind of want to understand, I want you to help you understand a little bit further this day. So this was the first fruits I explained you last week. So this was the time of their barley harvest and their wheat harvest. Their fruits uh, 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 would be harvested later on in the year. During this particular time, this was the first harvest. It was the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. So what would happen is on that first Sabbath, that, that day right after the Passover, they would bring sheaves of barley. They would hold up those barleys that would begin the harvest and they would bless the harvest. And then what they would do is they would go harvest the barley. And then on the 50th day, which is this day, was the harvest that they would celebrate of the wheat. So now what they would do is they would bring the first fruits of the wheat. They would go up and have the celebration, honor the Lord, commit first to the Lord. And after they had committed first to the Lord and had the Lord's blessing, they would finish their harvest. And then that would be, that was their economic year. It was the beginning of their economic year in a very powerful and bold way. And, and so what they would do uh, during this time, he tells them here, is they, that when, the, when they were planting and they first started seeing the harvest, they would take little red strings and they would tie off the, the first buds and the first fruits of whatever they saw in their field so that when that fruit matured or, or when that grain had matured, uh, and uh, then they would know that was the first that had come forth and that was the fruit that belonged to the Lord and they would set it aside. 
And then what they would do is they would do their harvest, then they would be tithing. So they would collect, uh, and every tenth, which was the first of the next, so every tenth they would connect a ba- put a basket aside, and then they would give that to the Lord as their tithe. But this was the first fruit. It was the first that started the series of everything. And what they would do is, is they gathered that and collected that. This was a season they called counting the omer. The omer was the measurement. And so they would count the omer as they collected the grain, and then they would pour into their baskets, and then every tenth they would pour into the basket of the Lord, which would be their tithe off of the next ten that they were going to collect. But when they gathered this first fruit, before they did any of that, they would gather this first fruit, they would put it into baskets, and they would bring it before the Lord as an offering unto the Lord and a celebration. Now, God told them to took, take part of that, and they were to bake two loaves of bread. So uh, they were to bake two loaves of bread, and they were to bring those two loaves of bread to that day of worship, to that time of worship. Many of you have brought two loaves of bread. Some of you, you know, you baked it. Some of you tried to bake it, but if you would have brought it, it would have been a burnt offering today and instead of the bread offering today. And uh, I guess that would have been okay. We could have received it. Uh, but in, in some of you, you said, I, I bought it. It's been baked. Somebody else baked it, amen. And, and I helped them. And that, that's okay too. We're not under legalism or under law. So they would bring those two. And the, the priest had two that, that he had baked. Well, he, he may not have baked them. Maybe his wife baked them. I don't know. Or one of the Levites. And they would come to the Lord and he would hold up these two loaves. And really, this is kind of what I want to talk to you about today, these two loaves. And what these two loaves really represented. And he gave instruction there in the book of Leviticus. And he said, what you want to do is take the first part of that flour there. And you want to put some yeast with it. And you want to bake these two loaves of risen bread and bring to the Lord. Now this was very different because every other offering God had told them about bread, he told them do not put yeast in it. In the Bible it's called leaven. Leaven is the word for yeast. But in this particular one, he tells them, I want you to put leaven in it, and I want you to bring it. He said, and when you bring it, the priest is going to hold up those two loaves of bread, and as the priest holds up those two loaves of bread and leads the congregation in recognizing the provision of God and and leading in this offering that's going to make unto God, he said, then the priest is going to take the lamb and the burnt offerings and put with it and hold it up, and that's going to make it acceptable unto the Lord. And then the Lord said, when it's acceptable, when he receives that, he said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to bless you. There's a blessing that's going to come in your life and upon your life as a result of that. And he said, what's going to happen? This is what I call the cause blessing. He said, it's going to cause a blessing. There are some times in your life where you don't cause a blessing. God just blesses you from his gift, from his grace, from his love, his mercy. But this was what was called a cause blessing. In other words, he said, it's going to cause a blessing. What you do is going to cause a blessing to happen in your life. And he said, I'm going to bless you. And he said, I'm going to bless your homes that you live in around the countryside because they came from all over. He said, and not only am that, I'm going to create an overflow in your life and an abundance in your life. In other words, he said, what's going to happen in your, in, in your barns? The barns represented their business. 
It represented their provision. It represented their storehouse. He said, I'm going to cause that to overflow and to multiply. And, and, and uh, I'm going I'm to cause all of this that you have that you store that is your bread to eat and is also your seed to sow or, or your business. I'm going to cause it to multiply. There's going to be a caused blessing. And I'm going to be with you. And he said, I'm going to send rain. Now, rain was important to them. Most of us were praying rain away. But for them, rain was really important. Rain caused crops to grow. Rain and sunshine. They knew that that only come from the Lord. It could only be God that there were certain things. But the Lord said in this particular case, he said, these loaves are going to represent. First of all, he said, it represents you and your work and your labor. In other words, work is righteous. Work is good. God wants us to work, and God blesses a work. Matter of fact, if you're going through a hard time right now in your life, I have a prophetic word for you from God. Get a job. Get a job. If you're trying to increase more of your life, build a business. Do some other things. Create some multiple streams of income. They may be trickling streams when you start. But if you'll be consistent and persistent, they'll become rivers that flow in your life and more importantly to the generations after you. He said, particularly if you go back and read in Leviticus, he said those bread, will rec they will recognize what you've done with what I gave you. You will, you will come before me and, and that bread you will lift up before the Lord and you will say, this, Lord said, this represents your work, your labor, your increase, your efforts. That that's what it represents. And that it represents that, that you have taken what God has given you Though it was little, like when they were in Egypt and they hardly had anything. But you have taken it and you have worked it and you have put your gifts with it and you put your sweat and your labor with it and you produce something with it. It may not be all that you want it to be. It may not be everything that you desire, but it is something that is causing increase and multiplication. Matter of fact, he said, I want you to tell your children, and I shared this last week, he said, I want you to tell the children your story. I want you to tell your children about the time in your life where you had nothing. Where you had nothing. For them, it was when they were in Egypt. When they were in Egypt, they barely had enough. They just had enough straw to work for the day and they were in slavery and they were in bondage and they didn't have anything. And he said, but God blessed you and God continued to be faithful to you and, and you multiplied and you increased and he said, now you're in this land. It's a land that is, that is awesome and now you're, you're harvesting all of this stuff in your life. He said, your kids need to know the story about when you had in nothing. Your kids... Know your story about when you had nothing? Do you remember your story about when you had nothing? Did, is there a reminder in your life of God when you had nothing? Maybe it wasn't nothing, nothing. Some of you, it was nothing, nothing. But do you remember when you had nothing? Do you remember... When you first got married, some of you, 
and all you had was a mattress and a microwave? I tell young couples, that's okay. That's all you need to be happy your first year of marriage. You don't need a lot of furniture. You don't need three bedrooms. You don't need two cars. You, don't need, you need a mattress and a microwave. Cook in the microwave and spend all your time on the mattress the first year, amen. It'll build a good marriage. I told Teresa after 39 years, said, honey, we're downsizing. She's fearful. What does downsizing mean? A mattress and a microwave. You like the microwave. You can figure out what I like. When you had nothing. Nothing. And remind yourself this, when you had nothing, then, then there were certain other things you didn't have, the stresses of it, the burdens of it, all of these different things. And he said, when you, when you come, you're going to lift up those two loaves, and the priest is going to lift up those two loaves, and you're going to remind the Lord of his hand and provision. There's three things about those lie, these loaves that were really important that you need to understand that were very unique. First thing that you need to understand is that these loaves had leaven. Now, God didn't want leaven in any of the sacrifice. He told them, don't even let leaven get into the temple. Don't even let yeast come into the temple. Don't let it be in the, any of the offerings. He said, because leaven represents corruption. Leaven represents flesh. It represents corruption. But in this case, he said, I want you to use leaven. I want you to use yeast. Why was he doing that? Why was he telling them to do that? What I think he was telling them to do that is because these loaves weren't for God, they were for them. It represented them and represented who they are. And it represented this. It represented that even though I am still in this world and even though I am still in the flesh and even though I still have idiosyncrasies and failures and weaknesses and all of that, even though sometimes I don't have everything I need, even though sometimes my attitude is not right, even though sometimes I'm not close to God, even sometimes I'm not praying, uh, it doesn't matter. God still made something of my life. God has still produced something out of my life. God is still working. God is still producing. God is still doing something in my life. The Leverin represented that even though I don't have it all together, and even though I don't know it all, and even though I don't have it all, with the blessing of God, my life is still blessed. Second thing is, as he said, when you lift up those two loaves of bread, he said you need to lift it up with the part of the lamb and the part of these other. So this was that bread offering. This was the grain offering. And then he would put with it the, the burnt offering. Uh, oh, I know. Some of you didn't bring your burnt offering in here. Some of you, your burnt offering is going to be on the table outside when we have the picnic. No. Here's the good news. You and I don't need to bring a burnt offering. And the reason you and I don't need to bear a burnt offering is because Jesus was already that offering. Jesus was the lamb. Jesus fulfilled that part, and Jesus was the offering. As a matter of fact, the Bible said that after Jesus, there is no more need for any of that type of offering or sacrifice. It was fulfilled in Jesus. It was fulfilled in Jesus. So what's he saying? He's saying this. He said, you lift up your part of what you can do, 
and I'll lift up my part of what I can do and what I've done. And because of what he's done, it sanctifies what you've done. It sanctifies who you are. It sanctifies, and it causes you to still be able to have the blessing of God upon your life. That Jesus took care of the lamp. God said, this is your offering, and this is my offering. This is your sacrifice, work, labor, and your provision, and this is my sacrifice, the, the, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Here's the message, my friend. The message, my friend, is you, you may be at any disadvantage that the world says you're at a disadvantage. The world may say, well, you're at a disadvantage because you're a woman. And you know as a woman, you're not going to make as much as a man, and there's not going to be as many opportunities. They may look at you and say, you know, you're at a disadvantage because of your age. Because you're so young, you're not going to have any opportunities. Or because you're so old now, you won't be able to get a job, so you're at a disadvantage. Well, you're at a disadvantage because of your economics. You grew up poor. You were in a poor family, and so they didn't have any money to send you to college, or there was no money to help you get started in life, so you were at a disadvantage. Or you're at a disadvantage because of your race or your color or your culture or, or the nation or the community. You're at a disadvantage for that because, remember, you're always going to kind of be at a disadvantage of that. Or you're at a disadvantage because of your education. You know, you're not the smartest. Uh, brightest light bulb in the room, you know. Sometimes your a dipstick doesn't quite touch your oil, you know, and, and, and people notice that. Uh, and But maybe you, you're at a disadvantage because you don't have a degree. You don't have the right kind of degree. You don't have a certain degree. You're, you're at a disadvantage because of this a disadvantage. Here's what God was saying. God was saying because of Jesus Christ, because of grace, because of the Lamb, because of the sacrifice of God, you are in no disadvantage. There is no disadvantage in your life. You may have to overcome some obstacles like others have to overcome, like we should all have to overcome, but there is no disadvantage. You can still produce. God can still work. And great things can still come out of your life. And now the third thing is, is that God told them when they would offer up this offering or when they'd offer the bread offering, he said you need to offer it up with oil. You're to put oil on it. Now, the Italians would say that means God's Italian. Okay, if God, if God puts oil with his bread, I, we've defined it. God came from Italy, okay, and, and God's Italian, you know. Catholics would obviously agree with that, you know, and everybody else would argue with that. Uh, I think God's from Texas. That's why there's a big hole in the Texas stadium because God used to like to watch the Dallas Cowboys play. I, I, I don't know anymore about that, but. He said, you take that oil and you pour it over. What did that oil represent? There was a reason the oil. The oil always represented blessing, wealth, health, energy, life. To us, in the New Testament, it said the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So he said, whenever you offer up your bread, the fruit of your labor, what you've done, what you, I don't, honey, I don't know that anybody's going to want our bread. I've touched it, spit on it waved it it's good bread she baked it I'm sorry honey but I can tell you one thing it's blessed 
if you were in Pakistan and I touched this bread, they'd be fighting over it to have some of it in their house because the man of God touched it. It's good bread. Where was I at? No, they'd pour oil over it. In the New Testament, the oil represented the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit was is God working in you, God blessing you, God's power working in you to be able to do what you couldn't do on your own. He told the disciples, he said after he had resurrected and ascended and had been seen for 40 days, he told them, I want you to go. I want you to go to an upper room and I want you to pray. I want you to remain there and I want you to pray. And what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out upon you. They didn't even know what the Holy Spirit looked like. Sounded like what any of that meant. Matter of fact, later on in the New Testament, somebody told them about the Holy Spirit. They said, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. We don't, some of you have never even heard about the Holy Spirit. You don't even know what that is or understand what that was. So they gathered in that upper room to pray. And they prayed for an hour and then another hour. Used to in the church, they would say, it's the hour of prayer. Now we say, let us pause for a moment of prayer. And we can't understand why God isn't working. They, they prayed. They stayed with God and they prayed. And then the Bible said, as they were praying, they didn't even know what they were praying for. Have you ever been praying and you don't know what you're praying for? Have you ever just, you knew something, God wanting to do something in your life? You, you, or sometimes you're just being obedient to God. And they were praying. And the, and the Bible says it. it. It may not be popular with popular culture. It may not be popular with the liberal church. It may not be popular with you because it makes you uncomfortable. But I can't help it. It's what happened. It's in the Bible. I didn't write it. I just preach it. This is what happened were praying and all of a sudden the Bible said a rushing, a sound of rushing wind came through that place. The wind is something that would happen during their time of harvest. Matter of fact, they would try to harvest quickly because you can go back and look in Israel. One of the things that would happen is these winds would come blow through during the time of harvest and it's actually one of the things that they would pray that God would hold off until they got their harvest in. On that day, that wind come through and let him know the harvest is here. The harvest is here. And then the Bible said, all of a sudden, they began to speak with other languages. They began to speak with tongues. And, and fire, it was like cloven tongues of fire appeared over every one of their heads. And it was represented, that fire was represented that God, the fire from the Old Testament, God always came with fire whenever God accepted a sacrifice. And God was saying that day, I accept you. You are enough. Peter, you are enough. James, you are enough. Mary Magdalene, you are enough. Enough. You're enough. You're enough. You're enough. You're enough. You're enough. I've accepted you. Who you are, your sacrifice, your faith, I've accepted you. And I'm empowering you now with the power of the Holy Spirit to do anything I tell you to do, to have anything I tell you to have, to be anything I tell you to be. And so the Holy Spirit was poured out like oil that day over the New Testament church. Peter got up and Peter said, this is that. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel that God said this. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. On old men and young men. That breaks that barrier. 
on your sons and your daughters. Breaks that barrier. On generation after generation. Breaks that barrier. It said that day there were people from all the different nations of the world. Breaks that barrier. And on that day, Jesus said, here's what happened. Peter said, here's what happened. Joel said, here's what happened. He said, two loaves, the Jew and the Gentile, the circumcised and the non-circumcised, the perfect person who's had it all together and the person who came from the worst of backgrounds or in faith of God, he said, they're both acceptable unto God. They're both acceptable unto God. And the Holy Spirit was poured out that day upon the church. Today, when you and I celebrate this first fruits, this is what we're acknowledging. We're acknowledging that God brought us from nowhere to somewhere, but that he's not finished with us yet. It acknowledges that we've taken what God has given us. We've taken the opportunities. We've taken the gifts. We've taken the abilities. We've taken whatever seed money we've had. We've taken it, and we're producing something with it. We're making represents today that we are acceptable to God. That I don't care today what economic disadvantage you had, what cultural disadvantage you had, what gender disadvantage you have, what educational disadvantage you had, what economic disadvantage. It doesn't matter today if you'll put your life into the hands of God. That because of Jesus, and what Jesus already did for you, and because of the Holy Spirit, and what the Holy Spirit can work and do through you, my friend, today, mark this day down, mark this moment down, today, your future could be hugely different. That, I learned that from Trump, hugely. Hugely different than your past. I'm talking big, this is big different than your past, really different than your past. And that today we recognize this. We recognize, Lord, I'm resetting my life. I'm resetting my life right now. I'm resetting my business, resetting my giftings, my career. I'm resetting my family. I'm resetting my leadership as a, as a man, as a father in my family. We're resetting our, our, our commitment to, to, to the church and to fellowship and worship. We're, we're resetting our, our economics, our giving, our, our budgeting, the way we use our money, our steward. We're, we're resetting, Lord. We're resetting our attitude. We're resetting today. Offering our life fresh, new to you. Now, there's three things that we need to expect. Quickly on the screen, three things that God promised that we read about in Proverbs chapter 3 and Ezekiel and, and Leviticus there. Three things. Number one, number one, 
that what you do today honors God. So I have my first fruits offering here, Teresa and I. We have our first fruits offering. This is an offering that they would give. We, we, we don't harvest. People bring us their first fruits. My God, we've got so much squash and zucchini right now I, and tomatoes. I don't know what we're going to do with it. If any of y'all harvest something, give us something else, amen, all right? Watermelons, cantaloupes, something like that, okay? It's, it's awesome. But, but we don't grow a garden, right? We... We grow mold. That's what we grow in our house when we try to do stuff like that. So we, we don't do, we're too busy. We're too many, we can't do stuff like that, right? And unless we were going to sell it for penicillin, it has no value whatsoever to us or our family. So, so we just don't do that, right? So what we do is we make money, right, through our businesses, through our lives, through the things we do. And so this is the first fruit. So we've set aside, we've made out our checks, we've set aside our first side. It's a free will offering. Many of you know today, you can do anything, you can give anything. There's no law in it. The rabbis, when the people were saying, how much do we know? Because they were worried. Do you ever get worried? Is it too much or is it too little? Do you ever do that when you give gifts? Like, you think this is enough? You don't think this is big enough? Buy it on sale, put it in a closet, and then when you give it to them, it has double the value because you bought it at 50% off, and you'll feel great about it. And it's being a wise steward also. It's being a wise steward. But you ever want to, you think it's enough? It's just, some of y'all were cooking today. You, you think this is enough? You know, should, should I make more? Did, should I put more in it or whatever? The thing is, is it's free will. It's with God. The rabbis, when they were teaching the people, I said, hey, if you just want to use a standard, take one-sixtieth of whatever your harvest is, one-sixtieth of your year, give that to the Lord. That was about, you know, a paycheck or whatever. So we just, we do a one-sixtieth of whatever. That's the way we do it. But for everybody, it's different here. Some of you say, I've never done this before. I remember the first time they told me I'd been saved. I come from a heathen background. And they told me you were supposed to give to the Lord. Give to the Lord. The first time, some of y'all know the story of the first time God got from, he had to steal $20 from me to get it. I wasn't giving it. I went to a conference. I had a $5 bill and a $20 bill. It was the first Christian concert, first Christian meeting I had went to. I was in the Army. I'd already been a Christian. Uh, nobody had taught me anything about finances. They taught me about prayer and faith, but nothing about finances. I went, and the, they were taking up an offering. Sounded like a hijacking to me, taking up an offering. And so here they were, they were and they were passing the plate. So I'm good. I've got this down. My grandma taught me a few things. So I pull out my wallet. I pull out the $5 bill. I hear God in my spirit saying, give the 20. I didn't know what the voice of God. I would listened to the devil for so long in my life, I was still trying to figure out the difference in these voices. I pulled out that five. felt like God saying, give the 20. And I'm like, God, I can't give the 20. Like, I need gas to get us back home to Fort Knox. Kept filling this 20. The preacher's talking. I don't even know what he's saying. 20. And God's saying, give that 20. Trust me. Put faith in me. You need to give. Your grandma, and then we're talking to you about tithing, about giving. <laughs> That's what old people do. I'm young. I don't make much money. We don't do that. God said, give that 20. Give that. I told God. I remember sitting there saying, I ain't giving that 20. I had that five, the offering plate come next to me. The offering plate's coming, and I'm like, good, it's here. Hurry, it's coming by. And the lady beside me decided to write a check. And she sits there with that offering plate right there, and God's saying, give that 20. Give that 20. You still have chance. Give that 20. I'm not giving that 20. I'm not giving that 20. I'm giving five. If you don't leave me alone, you ain't getting five. <laughs> I wish I could tell you I was a man of faith. I was a heathen. 
that offering plate come in front of me. I was never so glad to get rid of that five in my life. That I'm telling you a true story. This is not a preacher story. This is a true story. That plate went down there. Oh, man, I felt so good. I looked over there. It kind of paused over there. And I noticed there's a $20 bill on the top. And I go like that, but the plate keeps going. God gets it slow to you, but then it goes fast after he gets what he wants. I'm like, uh-uh, you didn't just do that. I didn't see a five anywhere in there. I sat there a minute. I'm like, I pulled out my wallet. I opened it up. I looked inside, and there was a $5 bill. God had just stole $20 from me. I remember sitting there overwhelmed. My heart was beating. I was thinking, oh, dear God, how am I going to get back? I need gas. What if she wants to eat? Oh, I was never so happy for long-winded preachers. That meeting went on and on and on and on. Finally, we got out of there. It was so late, and I asked her, I said, do you want to get something to eat? She said, no, I'm not very hungry. I'm like, that's, that's okay with me. I understand. We drove back to Fort Knox. I'm watching that needle all the way. That needle ain't moving. I get in, go to work the next day. That needle didn't move. I got in the next day. That needle didn't move. I got in the next day. That needle didn't move. And the next day, hallelujah, was payday. I remember calling my aunt, the only person I know, and I said, I think you need to explain to me some things about this tithe that you're getting. Because I think God just got my attention. Now, I didn't want to tell my aunt that he got my attention by stealing $20 from me. Didn't sound very spiritual. So, for some of you today, you may be like me. You, you may have five in there. Now you got a 20 in your wallet, and God's dealing with you right now. <laughs> it, it's free will. Here's what I'm saying when you bring this to the Lord and you bring this bread, here's what we're doing. We're saying, God, I take part of what I have and I offer it to you. I'm honoring you. I'm honoring you. I'm respecting you and honoring you that you're the one who has done this in my life. You're the one who is taking care of me. The second thing is, not only does your giving honor God, but the second thing is it sanctifies all the rest. What does that mean? It means this. It means it makes all of the rest of it holy. You need to remember that. The root governs the rest. The root governs the rest. In other words, whatever you do with the root governs all the rest. So it, when you set this aside to the Lord, you're saying, God, everything I am, everything I have, it belongs to you. I'm setting it aside to you. Please don't come get it today. I need to enjoy it. But, and God's like, I don't want it all. I want you to enjoy life. I, want you to, I don't want all of your money. I don't want all of your time. I, don't want, all, I want you to enjoy the life that I've given you. It sanctifies all the rest. Sanctifies means it sets it aside just like this bread is set aside. The, the third thing that it does, and then I'm going to give you one more after that, is it causes a blessing. It causes a blessing. It means the blessing of God, which is the help of God, the supernatural hand of God, the multiplying of power of God, the increase. So I want you to believe that with me today as we pray over your family, over your finances, over your work, over your businesses. I want you to believe with me today that today a blessing of God is coming upon your life and on your family that you're causing today through your faith.
is going to be blessed. It causes a blessing because whatever happens with the first affects all of the rest. And then the fourth thing today, and you can go ahead and get the kids, it creates overflow. It creates overflow. In other words, you need to start believing in your life that your barns are going to be filled, right? Your vats are going to be filled. What does that mean? That for some of you, you don't have barns, you have banking accounts. And for some of you, you have barns and banking accounts and, and businesses. You need to believe today for your business blessing. You need to believe today for your finances. You need to believe today for your career. If you've been needing a raise, you need to believe for a raise supernaturally. A raise that they come out of and they decide to, to give you because of the favor of God working on their heart. If you have investments, you need to believe that those investments are going to pay off, they're going to multiply, and they're going to come back in your life. If, if you're a farmer, you need to believe for your fields. If, if, if you're a business, you need to believe for your, your contracts and your employees and these other things and whatever it is today. There's going to be overflow and abundance among them. God said, ask me what you want. Ask me for what you need. Don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty.